Hi, everybody. This is Dan and Chris back with our next episode of A Father's Love, Healing Through Heartache. Uh, Chris and I, as you know, um, we're just trying to move forward from losing our sons. Chris lost his seven-year-old Mason a couple years ago, and I lost my nine-year-old son, Jameson, three years ago. And for those of you who have followed us this season, you may recognize uh, somebody on this screen. We are absolutely thrilled to welcome back Dennis Jordan, and this time we're even more thrilled to welcome his wife, Debbie Jordan, with us. Uh, if you've been listening, you Dennis's story is probably the one that Chris and I have gotten the most feedback on. Um, Chris and Debbie are 37 years into their journey of the grief of losing their six-year-old son, Ryan, and the, the main thing that they've provided for Chris, for me, and for many of our listeners is the hope that at, for all of us who are new on this journey, there is hope that it will get better. And you've heard Chris and I talk many times. Dennis is the one in his earlier episode that really emphasized the importance of taking one step at a time on this journey. So uh, we're just thrilled. Chris, good evening, my friend. Good evening. How are you? Good to see you. Glad to be back. For those guys that are listening, uh, it actually feels like we haven't done an episode in a while because Dan and I pre-recorded a bunch of episodes. So we haven't actually done this in, um, it feels like forever, Dan, to be honest with you. So I'm glad to be back with you, man, and doing another one. Good to see you. So uh, we're going to jump right in because there is so much in tonight's episode that we want to talk about. And we've actually changed our plan for the episode. We've made an addition because Dennis and Debbie had a very special experience today. And it, it just wouldn't be right if we didn't let them talk about what happened today. So Debbie, Dennis, welcome. Thank you for being here. And if you would, please tell us about your day. Tell tell you about our day. Uh, this this day uh, was extremely very special. We we were actually in the Virginia mountains, the Blue Ridge area right now, and uh, when Ryan was like two months before dying, he was terminal. He'd already been told we'd already been told that there was nothing to be done. But Ryan loved to go to the mountains, to the Blue Ridge, he lived where his grandparents lived, and he was determined that we would hike. Uh, Humpback Rock, which is a mountain in, in Virginia, and it's quite intensive with a lot of uh, uphill hiking. Uh, but Ryan said, I want to do this, and I want you to know that Ryan, 37 years ago, two months before his death, uh, climbed that mountain, and he climbed that mountain. Nobody carried him. Nobody had to encourage him. He did it. He was, he was determined to do it, and he did it, and it went to the very, to the top got to look at the great scenery and just, uh, we had a blast. I mean, it was really very special. And so we decided on this vacation that we were going to pay a tribute to Ryan and we were going to once again, hike uh, uh, this uh, humpback rock uh, area for Ryan. And needless to say, we're 37 years in the past. So, I mean, we are much older at 37 years than we were 37 years ago. But we're glad to know that we're at least in decent shape because we made it to the top. We got there. And what was really interesting is our son, who happened to be nine when uh, Ryan was uh, terminal, uh, his name was Chad, 
Chad told me he knew we were going to do this. And he said, Dad, make sure you uh, take a box of nerds. And the box of nerds have has a lot of significance. It has to be grape and strawberry. It had to be grape and strawberry nerds. And I found them at 7-Eleven uh, yesterday. And so we took a box of uh, strawberry and grape nerds with us this morning. And we walked the, 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 the mountain. And it was in honor of Chad because Chad loved uh, uh, grape uh, nerds. And Ryan loved strawberry nerds. And, and they shared this experience of the nerds uh while we were walking and hiking during that time so just a lot of just a lot of really like deep deep stuff certainly some tears uh certainly bittersweet uh at the same time i, I just a great jake great tribute to ryan to say what a, what a man a, a kid that was so full of tenacity that he perseverance he, perseverance, he would not give up and so for us as parents, for me particularly, it says to me that when grief gets very rough, when you feel like you can't go on, you feel like you're going to lose it. We just remember Ryan being tenacious and being never throwing in the towel. So, and, and, and as I commented to someone, not only in looking at him and, and what he did was when you feel like you need to give up, just keep hiking, just keep hiking whatever you do don't throw in the towel even though sometimes you feel like that's what's going to happen and you hike and you keep going because as ryan would tell us the view is something to behold and i know for ryan he loved the view we love the view and for us it's very special for us particularly with faith that we know our son is great he's fine his views are wonderful and we are just we're just rejoicing it was just a fun fun day and uh, we are just glad we did it uh, and, and very, very thankful we did it and uh, going to be sore and a little bit uh, tired, but hey, it was well worth it. Yeah, we, we certainly enjoyed it. So that's how our day was spent. Oh, that sounds amazing. It, it, what a tribute. I, I love how you said that it was a it was a tribute for Ryan. Uh, I think a lot of times, um, you know, and Dan and I are still really early in this process, but those tributes and planning those tributes, they can really make a, a big difference to a person's psyche in the long run. And uh, so I, that's something I just took out of the story right now is, you know, making sure you plan those tributes, you think about those good times and you, you pay that tribute and you remember that good time at that moment. It probably hurt. And I'm assuming it's going to hurt when I do it and when Dan does it and when those are listening, if you plan a tribute, you do it. But uh, I, I suspect that it's almost a good hurt. Like it feels good at the same time as, as well. So, um, it, yeah, it, it, it feels great. And to me, uh, I just, you, you just know how much you love your kid, how much, how grateful you are for that kid, because it's like, uh, parts of me today, the tears were just, they were just flowing. And we started thinking about this a few days ago. So it's okay. When the tears flow, let the tears flow. It's nothing wrong with tears. Tears are extremely therapeutic. The, Sometimes I feel like the more tears, the better, because mm -hmm. even though, and, and to me, it speaks to each one of us. If your child has been dead for a year, two years, three years, 40 years, 30 years, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. That child is still a part of us and it's always going to be a part of us. And so you just, you just press on. And fortunately it's not as painful at 37 years as it is at one month, 
a year, two years, three years. It, 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 do, it does soften, and I'm very thankful that it does soften. But does it ever go away? Absolutely not. If you think it's going to ever go away, you're probably thinking not correctly because there's going to always be something there that says, that's my son, that's my child, and it's always a part of us uh, as, as, long as, as long as we have breath, as long as we live. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know your Facebook page, Dennis, again, it's just one of the many ways that I get so much hope from you and Debbie uh, because it's obvious that you still hurt. And like you just said, we will forever hurt because we love our sons and they're not here with us. But the things you post are daily are just so inspirational because again the hope that we can see your pain that it will still be there there's no fake storytelling fake emotions coming from you to try to just make it seem like you're okay um but it's it's a real remembrance of ryan it's a wonderful tribute i think daily of what you post um but we could tell that you're real and raw and yeah it does still hurt but you've lived to learn with it and li learn to live with it in a way that the pain isn't consuming you as often. Yeah, 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 and and and, and we're grateful that it doesn't consume us. I mean, you 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 could not live with that degree of pain and grief all your life. If you did, there's there's so many wonderful things about still living and other children, grandchildren. I mean. Uh, fun together so somehow that begins to balance itself out but there will always be that like like i posted something recently that says if i talked about my child while he is a living why would i not talk about my child yes. when he's in heaven i mean so so people that think well you don't, don't mention the name don't bring it up don't try to talk about it that's 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 not correct uh, i'm going to talk about ryan as long as i have breath in my body because He's still my kid, he, but he just happens to be in heaven. Well, no better place for him. I mean, he, he, right. he's got made. I mean, we're the ones that are having some struggles here, but uh, our children that are or that are with Jesus, there's no better life. So, uh, uh, so I just, yeah, I think that we just have to recognize that uh, life does go on. We have other uh, other things that uh, other events. Uh, so you just uh, grief is painful, but also life life is is still good life is still refreshing life and, is still enjoyable and yeah. some of our time today we were just it was just uh, times of gratitude that we were just so thankful that ryan lived we're so thankful that we got to be his dad and mom that we got we were thankful and it was just an act of gratitude of just being thankful that though he's not here with us now he did live and i think uh, grieving parents need to recognize that and you will that it's okay to recognize it's okay to say my child live and i'm going to talk about my child and and have memories of my child because they did live and we'll talk about this a little bit later but you know some people just say don't talk about them and make them sad but no that's that's the best thing you could ever do for a grieving parent is say my child's name and let me tell you stories about my child so that's one of the best things that anybody who doesn't know how to help someone who's grieving is to say tell me about your child Yes. So that's that's like music to our ears, isn't it? It's very 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 important. Yeah, and, very helium. Yeah, and also it's like, well, if 
people will say, well, if you knew that was going to happen to your child, would you still have wanted to have that child? Mm. I would say 100%, more than 100%, that if Ryan only was going to be able to live six years, and that's all he lived, guess what? I would go through those six years again, and three years of that were intense treatment for cancer, but I still would choose to do that because of the, the kid he was, the mischievousness, the, the fun, the laughter, everything about him. So it's like, mm, yeah, is it painful that he didn't live past six years? Yeah, very much so. But I would not trade those six years. You, you, you could not give me enough money to say, well, I, I, I wish this child had never existed. Never, ever would that be the case. I'm so glad he was born, he lived, and he, and he still lives. So, uh, yeah, so I just I find that very encouraging. Yeah. Great. So, Debbie, can you, if you have anything else to add, um, you're, you just mentioned gratitude, and that's something that I know I've been, I try to focus on that because, um, like you all just said, um, I had Jameson for nine and a half absolutely amazing years, and the memory he, he gave me, yes, I wouldn't trade them. Debbie, are you able to, to tell everybody listening who's, again, fresh on this journey again, any tips of how they can find that attitude of gratitude during the deepest, darkest, freshest moments of their grief? when it's so easy to focus on the fact that they're gone? I'm going to share with you an example that uh, a friend of ours, her husband died in 2020. Is that right? 2020? 2020. And, and it, was, it wasn't COVID, but it, it, was, it was still horrific for her. And she said, and I just love this idea so much, she said that, she was just praying, how can I survive this? How can I get through my grief? And she said she got the sense to start every day, take a post-it, and write one thing that she was grateful for. And so she just began to post them on the wall. And at the end of the year, she had 365 daily things that she was grateful for. I mean, it could have been something as simple as a neighbor dropped by to bring her a cup of coffee or that it was, it's been raining, but today is sunny, that those simple things. And because her husband, her, the last year of his life was really difficult for him, uh, for her, because he was, she was more of a caretaker than a wife. She just started writing once a week, so, something that she loved about her husband, you know, trying to remember him as he was before he became such a, so sick and the negative part of, of grieving. And so she had 52 of those. And she said this year, she's just basically going to go through these, these 365 daily things and just really just spend more time thanking the Lord for, for thanking God for these daily things of gratitude. So I think that's, that's, that would be something that we could all, all agree on is that it's so easy to be negative and think about, oh, woe is me and why God, why? And so instead of just thinking, well, just maybe one good thing that you can remember about your child. And some of us, well, for us, because our child was terminal, those, those, last, those last few, few days were pretty, pretty bad memories. And I remember my dentist's stepfather told me, he said, in the beginning, those bad memories just, 
just consume you. And he said, but those memories will fade, and then you'll be able to remember the happy times, the happy moments that you had with Ryan. And, you know, he was so right on that. And just to think about what you're thankful for, for for your child. And it may be the same thing over and over again, but whatever's going to help you get to the next second, to the next minute, to the next hour in the beginning. And it's just, what can you be grateful for? So you will always find something to be grateful for. And, and, and I would add too, uh, and Debbie may mention this later about something she's writing, but also do not torment yourself with regrets. We all have things, most That's people, number one, yeah, by the way. We, we all have things with our children that we, we wish we had done differently. I mean, and, and I think of some of the things with Ryan and you think, well, but I didn't. And, and once, once the event and the death has occurred, you can't go back and undo those things, but you also can't allow yourself to be tormented because you know, you was, you were a wonderful parent, you, how much you loved your child. And so you don't go back and try to say, well, I should have done this or I should have done that. We all have shouldas and wouldas and couldas, but guess what? That's not the way it happens. We, we, we did the best we could under the circumstances that we were living through. We, we did not choose to have our child die. We didn't, and particularly if they had a terminal illness or, or they were sick, we would have never chosen that, but, and we did everything we could. So you just, you have to begin to give yourself some grace that you, you did the very best you could as a parent. And, you, and there's nothing you could do to change it. If it was, we all would have changed it. So uh, just, a, just a friendly reminder, don't allow regrets to do you in. Because if you let regret, it will torment you and it will challenge you and it will, it will not be healthy. And those are all spot on. I mean, I think Dan and I struggle with a couple of those things every day still today. And, um, you know, I think that's why your guys' story is so important to us to give us that hope that we can get to that point. Um, because I know, you know, Dan and I have had these hard conversations before where you don't want to have that regret, but it just seems to pop up in that mind of yours when you least suspect it. And, uh, you know, um, kind of like, uh, I, I'm not gonna say it's the same, but when with, uh, with me with Mason, I had about, you know, we had about three or four days before we knew he was he wasn't going to make it. So those last days brought a lot of very, they bring a lot of very difficult memories to get through. So yes. um, I definitely understand what you're saying there, Debbie. I did have a question uh, for both of you now. Uh, as a military member, obviously your guys' story is very important to me because it feels like a mirror image, to be honest, um, especially after I talked to Dennis on the phone and everything you guys did and how I feel like I did. Our family did the exact same thing that you guys did uh, in terms of the humanitarian move and um, just some of the stuff that, you know, we've been going through in that sense. And um, being a military family is already difficult and being military spouses together is extremely difficult. A lot of people don't realize the difficulties in the background that are playing out with a lot of our military members. And um, so how did you guys get there? with with your marriage i'm sure there were some difficult moments when ryan passed that put that extra strain on top of the military requirements that you guys had um you know dennis with your job and everything and maybe tdys or deployments or anything like that uh debbie how did you get through it just you know what kind of advice can you guys share for yeah and i know i'm talking about military families but 
the the connection you two have as a married couple can go the lessons you have can go for all types of married couples hmm. well i think personally I, I i think that when you're married to a military person <laughs> i i really think that the spouse should just automatically they should be given 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 a title or given given a special <laughs> gift or something to be super strong Amen. and um for me i just knew that but then again it's with personalities chris my personality is, is that i'm a can do it i'm positive and if you know there's there's and then it's just the opposite he's melancholy and he's gloomy and He's uh, Eeyore, and I'm the Tigger. Right. I'm definitely Eeyore, and she's definitely Tigger. Yeah. 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 And yeah. Um, I just remember in the beginning feeling like, oh, my goodness, I have to be the strong one here. And Dennis had to go back to work, and I, he would come home and just be a mess. And then not knowing that we had a, had a child, it's like, okay, I still I need to be strong for our son. And, in fact, I was writing about that in the book I'm writing, and it was that, that I was given the persona that, you know, I am strong and I have to be strong for everybody else, but not allowing myself to grieve. And I think what I ended up doing was grieving during the day when our son was in school and, and Dennis was at work. And so I, I was able to have that outlet. And because we were, there was a group of us parents whose children were being treated at Walter Reed in um, Washington, D.C., cancer and all the kids had had cancer and it was a big open room and they were all all the kids were getting chemo so we automatically had a support group right there and so as those kids began to die one by one and ryan i still remember this he would say well chris and there was someone by the name name of chris he was a teenager and he had they were all different types of cancer and he said well chris is dead he died and then it's going to be, and he went through and he named the kids that were going to die. And he said, then it's going to be me. And we were like, no, 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 don't, don't say that. And, and you know what? It happened just the way he said. I mean, these kids, our, our kids that are, are that have, have gone to heaven early, we just kind of know they have a, they have a sense about that of their impending death, I think. And they try their, they may ask questions and they may, try to con consult the parents before then, you know, because they don't talk like that. But, um, but we had, I had a, I had a ready-made support group in the other moms of these whose, whose kids died of cancer. And so we would call each other, we would meet. And so I'm very thankful for that. I don't, am I rambling? Mm -hmm. And so, um, but as far as, as just feeling, and I know that was wrong of me, I'm just feeling that I had to be the strong one and I would just encourage everyone, don't do that. That is, because first of all, people are thinking, boy, she, she's not hurting as bad as I am. Well, that was a, that's a lie, because I was. I was just hiding it. And I think it's important to let grief have its work. And um, as I've been writing this book on, on lies grief tells you, I've been reading, because grief is messy. And one thing I've learned is that grief is a, is different for everybody and, and speaking to you dads one thing that that we noticed is that you notice that people will ask your wives well how after your child died how is how is your how is your wife doing 
do they ever ask you how you're doing? Because I think it's a misconception. It's a lie, too, that people think that men just don't grieve, that they just deal with it, that they're strong, that they're masculine. They, don't, they, they just must process grief totally different than women. The women are the more tender ones, the more soft ones, the more gentle ones, and that we really need attention, whereas you men don't. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's got some truth to it. I mean, the same thing that when your kids go to college, everybody asks mom, how are you doing with the, with your, you know, your child going away to college? That's pretty pa painful, but nobody thought to ask the dads. The dads are going through a hard time, too, when the kids go to college. So I think it's just a stereotypical um, response, I think, to those who are grieving, that men grieve just as much as women do, and that just getting over the stereotype is okay to allow your emotions to allow yourself to grieve. That makes yeah. that makes perfect sense. That's why that's really why Dad Dan and I started this was because we noticed in a lot of the dad grief, you know, social media pages, it was pretty much like crickets. Almost no one was talking. It was just lots of people in the groups, but no one saying anything. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dan and I thought, you know what, this might be an opportunity to help us get through our grief and maybe help some others. So um, thank you for bringing that up. That's a very important point that a uh, a lot of people do miss for sure. Yeah. And also tied in with the military, the military has some fairly high expectations for the people that are in the military. I mean, I was a nurse. I, I was ex I was expected to be back at work in two weeks after my son had died, taking care of very sick patients. Believe me, to this day, I don't know how I did that. It was only by taking it one minute at a time because I, I was I was a basket case but being in the military you've got to step up to the plate you've got to do the job and you just have to do it and so I would say give yourself grace again you, 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 if you want to what you want to do sometimes is just go in a hole somewhere and just dig a hole and just stay there but life doesn't work that way and particularly in any kind of job but particularly when you're in the military and so and so I had to I, I worked through I would say some real like unforgiveness towards people that were bosses of mine because their expectations would be so high and I'm not ready to be able to do that, but you still had to do it. So I had to process some, uh, you, you expected too much of me and uh, this is, but fortunately I, I took care of patients. I didn't kill anybody uh, that I know of and I don't think I did and I didn't, but I just say you just have to be aware that uh, you, you do what you can do, and that's the best you can do. And then you go home, and then you've got your family who you really can't deal with right now. So uh, gr grief is just, it's a bit much, to say the very least. And I'll say one last thing with that um, before I get off my soapbox with that. It's still the same. Dennis, you know, there's still no bereavement leave in the military. I had to burn all my leave uh, before, and... I've never, I haven't been able to dig out of the hole yet. It's been two years now, you know, and, yeah. um, it is something I've been working with, with some higher up people. I've brought it up. I've talked to some people and trying to work it, but, um, you know, same thing. As soon as I did that humanitarian move, because they didn't know me, yeah. they're yeah. like, get to work. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I can't yeah. even think yeah. right now. What do you mean get to work? Yeah. Um, yeah. so it was definitely a difficult transition that i regret yeah and, you know, and not only yeah yeah and not only for the military but for people in general people can be very very supportive 
when you're going through the throes of the immediacy mm -hmm. of the situation. But they somehow, when two weeks pass or three weeks pass, uh, you, you're not back to normal. You, you, you're not dealing with this. Or they don't want to talk. They don't you're mention not the, over it, right? Yet. They don't mention the name. Yeah. They don't ask anything. And so, so yeah, you just. I think a lot of grief is you. You somehow have to be supportive of other people because some people are just totally ignorant. I mean, they they're not choosing to be ignorant. They just don't know what to do with you. And they if they haven't experienced that depth of grief, they don't know how to say. You mean it's been six months and you're still just crying constantly about your child? You people don't know that, and so for me, it's it's a lot of this is educational, and and if we don't, as bereaved parents, if we don't educate other people about what we need and how grief is, they're never going to know because they haven't experienced this. So they think, mm, let's life just goes on. No, life does not just go on. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And Chris. I just want to uh, say that about being in the military, you know, Ryan was in the first grade when he died and I was a, uh, a volunteer in his classroom and I just felt that I wanted to finish the school year out for him because he couldn't. So I can tell, oh my God, it was so hard. But um, I, I kept volunteering in his classroom and some of his little classmates would come to me and say, I remember Ryan and they would tell me stories about him and it was just so touching. But I'll tell you the hardest thing was is when I would go to school to pick up Chad and he was in fourth grade, right? Fourth grade. Only one child came out of the school building, not like, not two. I remember that was really hard. Very, very hard. Very hard. And the name and like that we were lived in a cul-de-sac on the base and it was just a lot of awkwardness. I mean, people like people just they didn't know what to do. They didn't. They were really sad, but they were they just didn't know what to do. They didn't know. They didn't want to say anything because they I, who knows, you know, they just didn't know what to do. So I think that's the uncomfortableness and probably still is today that people just don't know what to do or say to someone who's grieving, which. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yep, I would say that, Dan, I think we've had a couple episodes on that, right? Uh, if I remember correctly, on this is exactly what you can say. So, yeah. Dan, I'm going to throw it your way Absolutely. for some of your questions. Uh, Debbie, you just you just hit me hard um, with the unfinished business thing. Um, and, again, that's why I think I hope so many people listen to, to this because you, too, have so much wisdom that you can share. Um, the fact that what you just shared about finishing the school year out as a volunteer in Ryan's classroom, um, I think is enormous. I had, I have another story, please, I didn't, please. I always have wanted to go no matter where we were living in the military. I'd always have wanted to go to the high school graduation that he would have graduated mm -hmm. high school. And we knew that was kind of iffy because, you know, they always have to send out invitations and they nowadays they only have a certain amount they can send out. But we happened to be living in Aviano, Italy. And someone from our church was graduating high school and they said, they gave us the invitation, would you like to come to the graduation? And we said, sure, but we didn't tell them because we didn't really want to see them. We were just wanting another memorial stone, a milestone. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, it was just, we just, Dennis and I kept talking about it. And it's like, this is the weirdest thing. We went to the graduation and I was doing pretty good until the graduates, Bette Midler's song, The Rose, mm -hmm. the graduates took a rose to the mom. Mm. This mom didn't get a rose. And so that was like, oh, why did I want to do this? But, you know, I just felt for me, it was really important to do that. So those milestones, even though it's painful, like today, it's kind of, it was bittersweet, but, you know, you just, you know, Ryan lived, and it's important that we parents just remember that our child lived, and that we are the only ones that can tell their story. And, and also, know that as you've had a child that dies, <clears throat> all of your life, there are going to be milestone events in your life with your other children and other people that your child's not going to be there, but you do those events and instead, instead of just getting all down about it, but like our son getting married, our first grandchild being born, all those kind of things that there won't be an uncle Ryan because he didn't live to be an uncle Ryan. He would have been such a fun. Yeah. And he, and he, he was so mischievous. He would have been a, he would have been a, 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 a hilarious uncle, uncle, but you, you still don't stop living life because that child's no longer there. You, 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 you have that, that that pain that hurt that they are not there but you don't you you still live life and you will live life with joy again and that's what for people early on in grief they they don't see how that can be possible it's very possible yeah there'll still be times when it'll stab you right in and you'll think oh my goodness i can't deal with this but like going to the graduation chad getting married grandchildren being born all those special things that ryan will never do guess what? You still, you remember, but you still, you still keep going, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, I just, again, you hit me hard with that because I have, I admire you for taking care of unfinished business. Um, we had, we lost Jameson in February, so we had all his Christmas presents mm. laying around the house, and mm. he, his, th one of his main gifts that year was a five by five Rubik's cube and he had played with it just a little bit mm. and it sat there for I think it was almost a year we we just couldn't touch his bedroom and mm. then finally I'm like I've got to finish the stupid thing and mm. it's it's a it's a stupid little piece of plastic but yeah. it was an absolutely enormous thing that I had to do it so I pulled up the YouTube videos and I got it done <laughs> And it's sitting upstairs in our little memorial shelves for him. And, and both Eric and I had books that we, uh, she was reading one with Jameson. And then the one that he was reading by himself were laying there. And, and we, we had to finish those books. You just, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a major part of that healing that, yes, it's hard. It, it's really hard. And there are tears every step of the way. Yeah, but and and Dennis, you use the word joy, and as as a Christian, I mean, any Christian knows about joy, the joy in the Lord, and I struggle with that. And every song that comes on the radio, joy will come in the morning, and all that. And I'm like, I'm not joyful in the morning. Still, I'm not there yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. But as <laughs> as you said that, 
those were the moments that I had joy since losing Jameson. When I when I was as hard as they were, when I was able to fit finish that Rubik's cube. Yeah. Yeah, that's that I I can think back now that you said it to that was a joyful moment. And it was a moment. Yeah. But it was a moment. Yeah. And it I I think it was enormous to my my taking a few steps closer to healing. And 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 that's what healing is. It's 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 going to be a few steps forward and then guess what? A number of steps backwards. Eventually you have more forward steps than you do backward steps, but you don't put the pressure on your there's there's not a time limit. It's not a well by this point you should be this way. By this point you should that's a bunch of bull. By this point you should be exactly where you are progressing at the pace that you're progressing and go with that. Do not grief is not a time to put unrealistic expectations on mm-hmm. yourself. People people in enough people put unrealistic expectations upon the grieving people. You certainly don't need to put them on yourself. Absolutely. I'm curious, um, you know, one of the things Dan and I did see on some of the regular grief groups, not just the dad grief groups, is sometimes there's these people um, going through grief that they could be like 15 or 20 years in. Dan and I talk about these people pretty often, how they still say they can't even get out of bed in the morning most days. And what kind of advice would you throw them if anyone's listening that they're still struggling that hard um, just to get through their day-to-day routine? Yeah, I, I, I would say, uh, in, in, as I look at grief, and, and I did some of that, I, I really went way deep sometimes. I think there's grief and there's sorrow. And I think grief is very natural and very normal. I think when sorrow becomes so deep that you cannot get out of it, I think it's become very not healthy, non-therapeutic. And if you really, if you still can't get out of bed 15 to 20 years later, you, you, I would hardly suggest you find a good therapist, find someone that a grief counselor that's really trained in grief because, uh, what happens is I think for me, what really helped me was that I went through some long years of grief. I mean, long, long, deep, deep depression. I still function, got promoted, all those kind of things. But I think for me, I finally began to realize my son would never want me to live my life the way I was living it with such deep sorrow. And so I think that if, if the, if the person is that's experiencing that deep sorrow, if they could one, if you, if you have the joy and the hope of the resurrection, I can't, I can't grieve for Ryan as far as Ryan has got the best life of any of us people. I mean, come on, if Ryan's in heaven, so guess what? It doesn't get any better than that. I mean, it doesn't. So for me, I think it's just looking at the, the deep sorrow and recognizing, I think I came to realize my son would not want me to live my life that way. He would not want me to live my life in the depths of deep despair and sorrow because he died. He, he would say, dad, get going, keep, keep going, live, live your life to the full. I believe is what he would tell me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is that answer yeah. what you're that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Dan and I felt the same way about that, but always great to get your guys, you know, uh, expertise on that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So um, <laughs> I, I'm kind of chuckling here because we brought you on here 
to talk about two very specific things, and we haven't even talked about them yet because of all the wisdom and advice you have. So uh, with your permission, uh, if you all have enough time, I'd love to wrap up this episode and have you back on for another episode. Uh, do you all have time to, to stick around a little bit? And we'll, we'll make this a part one, part two series over a couple weeks. Yeah, sure. Great. So yeah, for everybody listening, uh, Dennis and Debbie, we're n- we're not going anywhere. We're just we know that your time to listen is precious. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap up this episode, and, but we're gonna come right back. Uh, we're not going anywhere. So with that, uh, we just as always we want to thank you for listening to a father's love healing through heartache. As always, you can reach out to Chris and myself on our Facebook pages, on our emails and websites. And uh, we hope that you will come back in what will be a week for your time, but just minutes for ours. And join us again for another episode of A Father's Love, Healing Through Heartache.